This is Keep It Spicy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Keep It Spicy. I'm here with my girl, Vita. Hi, guys. I hope your summer has been spicy so far. I'm here with my babe, Shuba. My love, can you start us off with the quote of the day? Of course. So the quote of the day um, by Anonymous, someone anonymous, is respect your body, fuel your body, challenge your body, move your body, and most of all, love your body. Yes, I love this. Today we'll be discussing diet cultures. We know that this can be a sensitive topic for some of you and we just want you to know that me and Shaba love each one of you and we think that you are beautiful. Um, The purpose of this discussion is not to attack any body types or eating habits, just to break down and understand diet cultures. All right, so let's jump into it. Um, Shuba, have you ever tried a diet or do you follow one? Yes. I mean, I'm not really following any diet right now, mm-hmm. but I I have been on a diet when I was younger, when I was like 13. Terrible idea. I actually lost a lot of a lot of weight, but I think it was really detrimental <laughs> to my, my health because I was like, that's like the growing age. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I have been on a diet and I've done it a couple times since then as well mm-hmm. but not as intense but like now I'm not really on a diet was it like a specific type of diet I would actually start my breakfast by eating rice mm-hmm. a full meal for breakfast and then mm-hmm. as the day goes on like I think I would have just like vegetables and yogurt and stuff oh, as okay. dinner mm-hmm. but I cut out all like junk food so I didn't have pizza I didn't have fries I didn't have any of that and then I cut out all sugary like sugary food as well mm-hmm. um so no ice cream no chocolates I yeah, I cut everything out my only cheat day was on a Friday, and okay. even then, I still wouldn't have pizza because I would have, like, a healthier alternative. I lost a lot of weight very, very, very quickly, but it was really bad because I fell sick from the sudden weight loss. Yeah. Do not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, you already know, I'm a vegetarian, and it's it's not like, like animals or anything like that. And I had a really scary chicken incident, so I just stopped eating chicken, and, like, I don't like anything chewy now, like paneer and stuff. Like, I don't do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't like to eat like, yeah, (laughs) so I don't eat meat. Um, but other than that, I think that's it. I I do follow like diets occasionally, but it's not like specific type of diets. I just do my own thing. What was the chicken incident, by the way? We still live in Germany and we were um, at this train station. And so my parents left me. My mom was at the bathroom. My dad was getting food. And then he ordered chicken for me. And that was the first time I had like non-Indian style chicken. So it was like just fried chicken. And so he gave it to me and left. It tasted disgusting. And I was really scared (laughs) they weren't by me. And like this really pale lady, like she came and sat next to me. Also, Caucasians, I love you. But sometimes your skin is really scary. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So like she sat next to me. I just yelled for my dad. No one came to my rescue. So then I like yelled and threw my chicken at her. Oh, my God. had to like come save me and say sorry to the lady and then I just I associated chickens with her I just stopped eating chickens after that so it was less about the chicken and more just about the lady <laughs> yeah but now I don't actually I genuinely don't like like the chewy texture of me oh thanks for sharing so by the way we're going to be referencing um Christy Harrison's article what is diet culture for this little bit um uh, but did you guys know to our listeners and upwards of 90% of people who intentionally lose weight 
um, you know, from a diet or whatever, actually gain it back within five years. So as many as 66% of people who embark on a weight loss journey or like, you know, this type of weight loss effort or whatever, end up actually gaining more weight than they lost. So Vita, why do you think it is that we still diet even after knowing this? Why do you think we still are like, okay, I'm going to go back on that diet? I think it's a large part on like, the television and just advertisements that we're surrounded with like we're sorry we're often just flashed with like these amazing body ideals and so we try to be like that and despite our failures they encourage us too you know they're like you can do this starting today so like we keep falling into that trap again and again and that's the thing because people try extreme measures instead of taking it slow and then when they do that they Mm. realize they can't hold on to it and then it's just a vicious cycle that goes on and on yeah it's definitely like societal pressures especially like growing up as a woman like if you remember like when we were growing up being skinny and slender Mm -hmm. it was like the whole it like the it like the trend but now being a little thicker and having like a juicy butt is now like a trend. So I'm pretty sure that's also going to change another 10 years from now. And then of course, like familial pressure, because we're Indians. And I know that Indian society also believes that, you know, the what's beautiful is like having the long black hair and then the fair skin and then the skinny toothpick body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think that's one. And then I also think that what makes us diet again is that when you lose weight the first time, even though you gain it back within like two, three years or five years or whatever, you still think like, oh, I lost weight this one time by taking this extreme like regimented diet or whatever, Mm -hmm. like using these extreme methods and I lost weight and now, you know, I've gained it all back. I can do it again. And then you fall back into like the vicious cycle of like, okay, I'm going to do these things, lose weight really quickly. But, you know, after that's done, you end up gaining the weight back. So Mm -hmm. I think underestimate the amount of effort that actually that it takes to lose weight in a health in a healthy manner and to also sustain it and you know be consistent with it mm-hmm. I think that's why but diet cult doesn't just mean you know it doesn't just mean you're being on a diet because you know you don't have to follow any sort of like official diet or you don't actually have to be following a certain regimented plan to be caught up in the culture of dieting if that makes sense so moreover some people may eat in a way that they refer to as a diet for, you know, medical reasons. So for example, if you're diagnosed with celiac disease or diabetes, and then also not exactly to be engaging in diet culture, which is very, very rare and hard to do since diet culture, you know, has its tentacles all up in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you break break it down a little bit more for us, Vita? In short, Christy breaks down diet culture into a system of beliefs. It worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. It promotes weight loss as a means of attaining higher status. It demonizes certain ways of eating while elevating others, and it oppresses people who don't match up with its supposed picture of health. I actually wanted to discuss something that Christy mentioned. So she says that diet culture is a form of oppression, and dismantling it is essential for creating a world that is just and peace for everyone in all bodies. So what are your thoughts on that quote? I agree with her to a certain extent. Like, yeah, I'll, like I do think that it should be dismantled because it promotes a certain way of eating that may not work for everybody. Like, everybody's body is different. Um, and, you know, it also goes to, like, historical reasons. Like, why do you think, like, Asians and, like, us Indians, why do you think we eat so much rice and carbs? And mm-hmm. also following more, unquote, healthier diets 
in which you're allowed to eat, you know, everything, but of course, in balanced proportions, mm-hmm. that is not necessarily going on a diet, so to speak, because you're not doing it to lose weight, but you're just doing it to maintain a healthy lifestyle. But that could also be considered a diet. That is something that, you know, is usually to be promoted, right? Like eat more whole foods, eat more, you know, foods that are less processed, you know, cut down in the sugar. But all the same, while not completely cutting everything out, that could also be considered as a diet. It's just a healthy diet. I don't really know what to say when it comes to like dismantling all diets, because some Mm -hmm. could be good. Depends on, yeah, what we associate the word diet to. And then also it just depends on what the diet actually is. For sure. Like I totally agree. Our society has a skewed version of diet and we don't necessarily like have to get rid of everything to do with it um, because it is important to have a healthy diet. Like it's important that you get your nutrients in. It plays an essential role in like your health. But I think like the way that our society portrays it is very negative. One way that we can overcome that is by just educating like people at a young age and just like setting realistic diet goals. Um, All right. So so now we're going to talk about the book Diet Cult. It's written by Matt Fitzgerald. And according to Active.com, Matt is an acclaimed endurance sports writer whose work appears regularly in men's journals outside and other publications. So this book explores the concept of diet and dissects different diets. Some examples are veganism, paleo diet, Mediterranean diet, etc. Now we're going to explain some of these diets. So the first one that we're going to be looking at is, of course, veganism versus vegetarianism. Healthline.com says that a vegetarian diet focuses on plants for food. It's richly diverse, prizes of all kinds of fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, beans, and pulses. And veganism is actually a subgroup of vegetarianism. So vegansociety.com says that it's a plant-based diet, which avoids all animal foods, such as meat, including fish, shellfish, insects. Basically anything that comes from, from animals. So like even honey, like even though like Honey, you can get honey from like a honeycomb or whatever, or like even a mm. beehive because like bees use it or feed. It's it's from the res- residue of bees. It's like you don't take it. So that's why you also don't drink milk because it comes from a cow. It's just mm. like anything that comes at all from an animal. So what are your thoughts on both vegetarian versus veganism? Veganism, I don't think it's something that I can ever sustain in my life. <laughs> yeah. I love milk. I mean, I do, like, there are obviously substitutes for everything. Like, there are milk substitutes, there are cheese substitutes, dairy substitutes. Like, there's substitutes for everything, but I personally, like, I think one, one thing to note behind being vegan is that you're not really just following a vegan-based diet for your body vegans tend to follow that diet because they're also try- it's also like a a movement right you're trying to mm-hmm. you're working towards sustainability or like environmental sustainability personally I don't care <laughs> about the environment as much yeah. it's a very bold statement but it's true like I don't think I can ever sustain that mm-hmm. um maybe in the future I might try but most probably not I was vegetarian I grew up vegetarian but it was more for religious purposes or religious reasons mm-hmm. um, and honestly like you know being vegetarian in certain countries is very very easy I think like being vegetarian in like India is extremely easy mm-hmm. because there's just like literally so much variety and mm-hmm. we usually eat a lot of protein even though the people usually think the first thing that comes to their heads is like vegetarians don't eat meat so how are they going to get their protein it's like people underestimate the amount of like protein that things like nuts have or like lentils or like you know beans and things like that you're like even quinoa like nobody really thinks about the all the other ways in which you can have protein 
Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there are always supplements. I feel like people also yeah. forget about that. Like just because you're vegetarian doesn't mean you can't have supplements anymore. So if you're really mm-hmm. going low on your iron or your protein or whatever it is, you always just pop some supplements. Um, but what about you? What are your thoughts? No, I definitely agree with like everything you said. Um, and yeah, I can personally not follow a vegan diet. Like I don't think I am that passionate about the environment um, either. And also like, I just, I don't know, like it's, I just wouldn't follow it. <laughs> and then for vegetarian, I mean, I'm vegetarian and so far I haven't like really had any major problems with it. And in terms of health as well, knock on wood, I don't suffer from anything. So I, I feel like it's fine. Um, I respect everyone with like various diets. So yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. So can you go into what a Mediterranean diet is? We're referencing the Mayo Clinic of Healthy Living. So Interest in the Mediterranean diet began in the 1960s with the observation that coronary heart disease actually caused fewer deaths in Mediterranean countries, so like Greece and Italy, than in Northern Europe or like in the U.S., for example. No offense, but y'all are kind of big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And subsequent studies found that the Mediterranean diet also associated with reduced risk factors for cardiovascular disease Um, and it's also fun fact it's also recognized by the world health organization as a healthy and sustainable dietary pattern and as an intangible cultural asset the united national education scientific and cultural organization Um, so this is a very popular diet Um, even though there's no like set definition of what a mediterranean diet is it's like typically high in vegetables fruits, whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, and of course, olive oil. So the main components include daily consumption of vegetables, daily consumption of fruits, whole grains, and healthy fats, and then a weekly intake of fish, poultry, beans, eggs, moderate proportions of dairy products, and you kind of have to cut down on the red meat. So a limited intake of red meat. Not to say that there's no meat, but it is more of a plant-based diet and less a meat-based diet, with the exception of fish, of course. Other important elements of the Mediterranean diet also include, like, you know, sharing meals with your family and with your friends, and then enjoying a glass of red wine, and also being physically active. Um, But yeah, for the Mediterranean diet, I would say that olive oil is the primary source of that added fat in the diet, aside from the oil, the fatty oil that you get from fish. What are your thoughts on this? I think for the most part, it sounds good. Like they're including a lot of different types of foods. Um, And I know like they have some limits like with the red meat and stuff, but then I feel like it's fairly balanced compared to like other diets that we will talk about. Um, What do you think? I think so too. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I'm inadvertently actually following the Mediterranean diet because like right now I do eat some meat, but I think um, it's more like if I order pizza and it happens to have like chicken on it, then I'll eat it. I don't actually cook any red meat, um, but the only type of meat that I'm cooking and have been cooking is salmon. So like fish, if I think about it, I'm unknowingly actually following it. It's important to remember that the diet also includes being active, right? Mm-hmm. Not just enough to just like eat all your veggies and your whole grains and then your, you know, your, your fish, but mm-hmm. to also like be active and like even the red wine, it's like you can consume it, but like obviously in very limited capacities. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I think it's pretty, sounds actually pretty fairly healthy and balanced. Mm-hmm. What about the keto, the ketogenic diet? 
So healthline.com says that it's a very low carb and high fat diet. You basically reduce the amount of carbs you eat and that puts your body into a metabolic state called ketosis. Um, And in that state, your body is incredibly efficient at burning fat for energy. According to Dr. Sushil Jain and Dr. Preeti Kanikarla, Mary, I hope I'm saying their names right. Um, They say that although several benefits of ketones exist, when ketones um, are in excess in the body, they can cause ill effects. Buildup of ketone concentration in the blood could cause a huge drop in blood pH, and that can lead to ketoacidosis, which is a devastating complication. And there's also a lot of negative side effects of this diet, which people don't really realize. Keto diet, I think it's good for... One, if you've never tried a diet and you kind of just want to try something to like, you know, test it out or get yourself on track and like, you know, you immediately want to lose some weight. But if it's something that you want to do for the rest of your life, I don't recommend it. Also, like I know somebody who, you know, she uh, who does the keto diet and they have like these like pee sticks that you pee on. And if it turns a certain color, that means your body's in ketosis. So, like they're, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like an, that is for like a proper cult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's yeah. like if you're in that keto diet society, you really know how to really milk milk it out. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's my thoughts. I wouldn't wouldn't do it. Can you go into the paleo diet? So the paleo diet, and again, same reference, the Mayo Clinic of Healthy Living. So the paleo diet is a, you know a diet that is based on foods similar to what have been eat to what would have been eaten in the Paleolithic era. So it's also known as the caveman diet or the stone age diet. So basically like 2.5 million to 10,000 years ago. And the paleo diet typically includes lean meat, fish, fruits, vegetables, and nuts and seeds. They're basically food that in the past could be obtained by hunting and gathering. So the paleo diet limits foods that became more common when farming emerged about, you know, 10,000 years ago. So these foods include, you know, dairy products, grains and um, legumes. So the diet's reasoning is that the human body is genetically mismatched to the modern diet that emerged with farming practices. The primary difference between the paleo diet and other healthy diets is the absence of whole grain, whole grains and legumes. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'm not really a huge fan of leaving out like certain food groups, so I'm not a huge fan of this diet really, but um, I guess I will appreciate that it puts emphasis in vegetable fruits and nuts because those are very essential to a diet, but um, yeah, I mean, it's missing like dairy and like the whole grains and stuff, so I don't really support it much. I don't even know if I would ever try it, but if I did try it, it would only be very temporarily, Mm -hmm. and again, like Another thing that I noticed was like, I remember when I first heard about the keto and the paleo diet, I used to keep confusing the two because I'm like, both of them kind of like cut out like carbs or like both of them focus on like fatty foods and meat. Like, so let's let's talk about the difference between the keto diet and the paleo diet. Ketogenic diet focuses on raising your body's ketone levels and you enter a metabolic state called nutritional ketosis. A paleo diet does not pay attention whatsoever to, you know, your ketone levels. A paleo diet also focuses, you know, strongly on choosing whole foods that are nutrient dense, uh, high quality and free from toxins. A healthy ketogenic diet, on the other hand, usually includes high quality food, but that's not the emphasis of the diet. A keto diet has a very low carbohydrate intake. 
even lower than a paleo diet. Keto diet also puts far greater emphasis on increasing your fat intake, whereas a paleo diet doesn't. Although the paleo diet does encourage eating healthy fats, it's usually not as high in fat as the keto diet. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I just didn't know the differences between both of the diets before as I just wasn't familiar with either. So it was interesting to like compare and contrast both of these diets. Yeah, no, same, same. I actually, I just thought they were both the same, like both just eat lots of fat and lots of meat. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to learn a bit more. And I definitely think, yeah, both are some culty type shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one that we're going to talk about This one is just, I don't know if this is an actual diet, but I basically found it on a lifestyle channel or this lifestyle magazine in which the actor Olivia Munn was talking about this rule. It's called the 80-20 rule. So it's basically where like, if you were to take the food, all the food that you ate in an entire day, the rule of thumb to follow is that 80% of what you eat should be like whole foods, like whole foods, whole nutritional food. And 20% can be whatever you want, like juice or a chocolate bar or like whatever. I actually tried following that for a while. I would say like if I follow any type of diet, I would say it's this one. I don't follow it like 100%. Like there's obviously no way of measuring how much, Mm -hmm. you know, it's 20%, how much 80% is. And also sometimes, you know, I may eat a lot or sometimes I don't eat as much or to eat a lot of food in a day, for example, and 80% of that would be healthy. Great. But if I'm not to even eat a lot of food to begin with, and then 80% of the, like still out of that little, little amount that I've eaten, 20% of it is still crap, then it's not really the best. But yeah, I just thought of bringing that up. What do you think about that? I think it's good if you have like good self-control, if you split your food into good proportions. Like I think personally, when I'm on a diet, and if I eat something unhealthy, then I want more of it. Like I have like issues with self-control. So I'd rather just not eat junk food and then have like one day dedicated to like junk food. Not that I would eat junk food the whole day, but like just, you know, eat a little bit that day. So I think personally, I wouldn't follow that. Um, But it's a decent diet. Like, you know, you're still including all the healthy stuff, but having fun with your life because, you know, you could die whenever (laughs) like a bus could roll over (laughs) you. So I think it's a a nice diet. (laughs) Um, That just got dark. (laughs) So, okay, moving back to what Matt Fitzgerald talked about in his book, uh, one of his thesis is that, you know, humans have this like natural tendency to make moral judgments about others' food choices. So this probably is developed because, you know, it was a practical way to basically encode trial and error knowledge about, you know, what they can consider as safe or unsafe. Um, And then it became hardwired into our brains or into our behavior because, you know, of the survival advantage for fitting in, I guess. And so taboo foods and religious dietary laws, like, you know, eating kosher or eating halal, you know, they kind of define our tribe, so to speak. And they also emphasize our difference from others, in quotes. So we can see like a similar group solidarity, peer pressure, moral stance, you know, semi-religious zeal among today's environmentalists and animal rights act- activists so you can see the same thing in like vegans for example no offense vegans matt also mentions that the first principle of the healthy diet cult is that there is a single right way to eat for optimal health we're all wondering like okay if this is all being said at the end of the day what should i take home so he basically says that you should pay attention and listen to your body he argues that most people initially choose diets because of emotional and social factors and then they go on to cherry pick the 
ones that are supported by evidence, if there even is any, and they use confirmational bias and rationalization to find post hoc reasons for their unreasoned choices. Can you explain what find post hoc reasons for their unreasoned choice mean? Okay, so let's say you're doing research, right? So you first come up with a hypothesis, and then you look into the data, and then you find the patterns. But with a post hoc testing, you have data, you see a pattern, and then you test it. And in regards to diet, people uh, already have like this established pattern. So then they're like, okay, so I'm gonna uh, just make my own theory from this. And then they go on to do it again. So, you know, and that's what confirmation bias is when they do the action again to support their thesis that they first saw. So simply explain, you can eat like a caveman, so you can follow your paleo diet um, and, you know, cut out all the carbs like your keto diet. Um, You can eat a specific amount of oils like your Mediterranean diet or, you know, cut out all your refined sugar. So, you know, the sugar buster diet, et cetera, et cetera. So people in general want to have a system telling them what they can and cannot eat. And most of the diet cults basically just do that. They provide you like a list of like do's and do nots so that people are better able to measure their progress or success when compared to the cult standards. Hence, you know, that's why his book is called Diet Cult. Get it? Um, but can, before we continue, can you relate to this? Because like we're both vegetarian. Do you feel like you're part of a cult? I've never really thought about it that way. No, it's such like a common thing in my life that I don't really take the step back and to think that it's different from people. Um, you know, when like someone points it out, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm vegetarian. Like I'm reminded that like, oh, that's a different style from what everyone else is. But I don't think like it's a I can't relate to that. I think I can. I went through a whole phase. So like initially it was like the first, I think like 18 years of my life. Yeah, I was vegetarian for religious reasons and then was no longer vegetarian and then came back to being vegetarian, but not for religious reasons. It was more for like to diet. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I would actually say yes. And like even though even to being vegetarian for religious reasons, like I guess it's I wouldn't look at it as a cult. But to somebody that's not in my religion and not a vegetarian because of that, I think like Mm -hmm. you can come off as culty. Back to what we were saying. So Fitzgerald basically provides a 10 item uh, hierarchy of foods for from more healthy to less healthy. So we'll start at the top. So the most healthy, obviously, vegetables, then fruits, nuts, seeds and healthy oils. And then high quality meat and seafood. Quality meat, by the way, is like, you know, pasture fed, like free range, like the good, the good expensive stuff, (laughs) the ethically sourced meat, then whole grains, dairy, refined grains, then low quality meat and low quality seafood, then sweets. And then at the bottom, there's fried foods. I'm actually kind of surprised that fried food is more unhealthy than sweets. I would have thought it was the other way around that like sweets are the worst. He recommends that we eat more of the categories higher on the list and less as we go down the list. So interesting that dairy is still not very high up on that list. Bottom line is no foods are or need to be prohibited. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I kind of agree with this hierarchy. Obviously, vegetable, fruits, nuts and stuff are very important. But like you said, dairy was more so down on the list. And I think low quality meats and seafood, like, yeah, obviously, I try to avoid that. Other than that, I I think you should just have a well balanced diet. Basically, don't overthink it, you know, just have a good (laughs) We also eat for enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, I, I would eat it because I also just want to enjoy life and enjoy everything. And also, like, I don't know, putting like a barrier in my brain to like, will stop me from eating like pizza or cake or something it's just gonna make me want to indulge 
and binge all the more when I actually do finally allow myself to, you know, to treat myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with his hierarchy. I don't know how I feel about dairy being so low on that list, but mm-hmm. everything else, yeah, I, I agree with and I'm, I'm for it. So to summarize, Matt concludes that there is no one diet that fits everyone. And this is due to the fact that everyone's body is different. We all have different allergies, medical problems, needs, and our metabolic rates are different and the list goes on. So each person needs to really find the right foods um, that suit them. And also, I mean, it is about enjoying the moment. So, you know, have whatever you want. And he says that exercise also helps achieve weight goals. So it's not just about what you consume, but it's also about what you do. Yeah. So now we're all probably thinking, you know, can I take the best of each of these cults if they work? We think the author says yes in the book. So he's claiming that a single diet cult that cuts a specific thing, for example, you know, cutting out carbs or sugar or whatever may not be enough for long-term success. However, increasing exercise, reducing overall calorie intake and eating foods that can be broken down and processed by the body are all good things to accomplish. So basically, yeah, try as much as you can to eat whole foods. Try to stay away from those sugary fried food, but at the same time, like, you know, allow yourself to live, eat what you want, but also like, yeah, exercise. Exercising is also not just about like the rigorous like lifting weights at the gym like you could literally go for a walk every single day like exercising is also not just to keep your body healthy but it's also to keep your mind healthy every do everything in balance and yeah try to eat some good food and good meat and drink some good milk and yeah that's I think that's a good diet to follow um so now moving on to one of my favorite parts of this podcast, the question session. So we'll start with the first question. What do you lie the most about? Estimated time of arrival. I'm always saying, oh, I'm almost there when I'm not. What? Yeah. You're one of those? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm not like incredibly late. Like I'll, I'm usually like 15 minutes-ish late, but um, I do lie about that. <laughs> Probably about how much money's in my bank account. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to actually know because it could be <laughs> lower than what I'm telling them. <laughs> All right. So what is the craziest thing that you've done with someone? So for me, when I was in my first year of college, I lived at home. I commuted and like one of my friends uh, called me midnight and she told me she was hungry. Um, I snuck out and then I picked her up. We both went and got cereal and milk. And then we went to this stadium at our school like it was closed so we're not supposed to be there we inside and we (sighs) sat there and ate cereal and milk together at midnight oh my gosh (laughs) I guess like the the craziest thing I've done with somebody my friends and I went to this pool bar so it's like a bar imagine like a big bar but I mean there is a pool but it's also like on the side is like the whole like a lake Mm mm-hmm so it's like a, you you know, it's the kind of place where like you can go to sunbathe and then also like there's boats on the side because the lake is right beside it. This random dude was giving me some eyes from mm-hmm. his boat. <laughs> and then, I mean, I was kind of giving him eyes back, but just for shits and giggles. And then he was like, oh, why don't you, he like signals to me, like, why don't you come on my boat? And mm-hmm. I was like, um. At first, I was like, no, like flirty, no. And then after a while, at first, I was like, will you take me for a ride? Oh, my gosh, so crazy. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah. And then he was like, why don't you come on my boat? And then I was like, okay, I'll come on your boat if, 
if you let my friends come on your boat too and then he was like yeah so the craziest thing I would say that was pretty fucking crazy <laughs> my friends and I all hopped on to like these two strangers random boat ate all their food drank all their booze <laughs> got some pictures it sounds fun would you rather own a dragon or be a dragon Oh, definitely be a dragon so I can fly and then I can blow fire at anyone who pisses me off. <laughs> but oh I think it'd be God. really fun. What about you? I would own a dragon. I love yeah. being me. I'm already a dragon of a woman. <laughs> but I would love, like, have you watched Avatar, like the yeah. James Cameron movie? The one mm-hmm. where they're like all blue? Oh my mm-hmm. God, I thought it was so cool when they were riding those like huge ass like bird creatures oh. like mm-hmm. I mean I, I'm pretty sure I'd be frightened of my dragon but I feel like people would fear <laughs> me and respect me if I had a dragon like in Game of Thrones the character Khaleesi has her own dragons like if you piss me off I I will literally call my dragon to burn you you know what I'm saying I think yeah. I would rather own a dragon and it would cool. love me <laughs> um all right so if you were given a million dollars today how would you spend it first thing I would do is like pay off my debt and then buy my parents their dream house. That's like mm-hmm. off the top of my head, 100% I would do that. And then once I bought them that, if I have any money left, then I guess I would actually just invest it. Cool, about- yeah. Um, I would first take a trip, like obviously not like splurge my money, but just, you know, hashtag treat yourself kind of a thing. Um, and then I would also buy a house and with some of it, I would invest. Um, with another portion of it, I would donate it to different organizations. Oh, wow. So generous. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, what am I going to do without all that money, you know? Give it to um, me. <laughs> <laughs> what breakfast cereal has influenced your life the most? I would say Cocoa Pebbles. I just thought the chocolate milk that it left behind was, like, amazing. I would say Frosted Flakes. However, when I was growing up in Nigeria, they were called Frosties, not Frosted Flakes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're called here. So okay. I'd say Frosties and... Um, cookie crisps they're like mini like the cereal is like mini cookies oh my gosh was, <gasps> oh my gosh I remember that that was really right? yummy cereal. I was that obsessed was with them yeah I was obsessed with them how would your worst enemy describe you in one word oh my gosh I, mean, I only have enemies per se but yeah this one if I had to pick one I think I would pick this person never accept or follow request <laughs> so. oh. Um, maybe unforgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they would describe me as unforgiving. Yeah, I keep rejecting that shit. <laughs> um, I think for me, I don't really have any enemies, but I think if I did, they would probably say I'm very strategic. Oh, that's a possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you know, if they do something, I'm gonna strategically take them out (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) thank you what kind of cult would you start maybe like a water gun cult you know we just come there spray each other fun relax de-stress what about you (laughs) I would start like a yoga like spin class type of cult where we also just do things for self-care you know also light a scented Mm -hmm. candle together and read but I feel like people already have yoga cults you know, that's some hippie shit. They'll probably sit there doing yoga and then smoke weed after. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like I'm starting anything new. But yeah, if I had to start a cult, it would probably be something like that. So on that note, this brings us to the end of our episode. Hope you folks enjoyed it. Um, and we also wanted to remind you to hit that follow button on Spotify and also follow us on Instagram at underscore keep it spicy. So please like our posts, comment, and share our podcast and content with your friends. And on that note, remember, folks, keep it spicy. Yours truly, XX.